Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join Derek Gray as he teaches from the Word of God. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for this day already. Thank you for the beauty that we've seen in the baptismal waters. And for the short time that we have here, God, I just pray that you bless your word. Bless your word. God, I believe with all my heart that you have a message for somebody here this morning. And I just pray that you take these simple words that that's so hard to explain you. And just take them somehow, some way, and open blind eyes, open deaf ears, open hearts that have been just covered up to this day. God, do what you do, and we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. My message this morning is, in, is entitled, A Bowl of Stew. A Bowl of Stew. Um, now, we are going to be looking at a story from the Old Testament. I don't uh, often preach out of the Old Testament, um, not for any reason, I just don't do it very much, but uh, today we're going to be looking at a story from the Old Testament. And before we go there, I want to explain what I'm trying to accomplish. Uh, in Romans 15:4, the Apostle Paul says this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. When Paul says, whatever was written in former days, he's talking about the Old Testament. And what he's saying is that what was written in the Old Testament was written for our instruction. It was written for us to learn from. It was written to, to teach us something. And then he gives us two reasons. One is endurance, and the other is encouragement. So that's my aim this morning. I'm looking in the Old Testament, and what I'm trying to do is one thing, and that is to encourage you to endure. I'm going to use this Old Testament story to try to encourage you to endure. Now, this story is about a family, as many uh, stories in the Old Testament are. And like any family, uh, all families have issues. All families have problems. All families are dysfunctional to some degree, and the families in the Bible are no different. In fact, one of the things that I respect about the Bible so much, that I admire about the Bible so much, is it does not sugarcoat anything. It never sugarcoats anything. It just puts it all right out there, and all our failures, and all our weaknesses, and all our sins, the Bible never tries to cover any of it up, and you'll see that today. Now, our story begins with a man named Abraham, who I'm sure we're all familiar with. And in Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abraham and he makes a covenant with him. He makes promises to him. He says things like, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. He tells Abraham, through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Now, here's the thing. Abraham is not going to live forever. He's going to die, which means that God's covenant or God's promises have to be propagated or passed down 
through one of His sons. And that's exactly what God promises to do. In Genesis 17, 9, God tells Abraham, He says this, He says, Sarah, your wife is going to have a son, and you're going to name him Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. So God basically says, Abraham, when you die, I'm going to carry on my promises to your son and then to his sons after him. And that's exactly what happened. Um, uh, it took a while. I think Abraham was about 100 and Sarah was about 90 or 91 when this child was born. It was an absolute miracle and Isaac is known as the child of promise. So Isaac grows up. He ends up marrying a wife named Rebecca. And Rebecca, after about 20 years of not being able to have children, she finally gets pregnant. And lo and behold, inside of her is not just one son, but two. And they are born, and the oldest is named Esau, and they named the youngest Jacob. Now here's the thing about Isaac. He's not going to live forever either, which means that God has to pass down the promises through one of those two boys. Now, these two boys had a very difficult relationship in their life. And there was a lot of reasons for that. Um, One of the reasons was they had absolutely nothing in common. I mean, I can't think of two brothers that could be any more different, much less two twin brothers. Uh, Esau, the oldest, was, uh, he came out all hairy. He was a hairy guy, had hair all over him. He, he loved to hunt. He loved to be out in the field. He was, he was brash and loud and, and he's probably what we would refer to today as a man's man. Jacob, on the other hand, was the exact opposite. He was smooth skinned. Uh, the Bible says he was quiet and introverted. Um, instead of going out and killing the deer, he preferred to stay in the kitchen and cook the deer. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure at that age, his friends, instead of calling him a man's man, more than likely called him a mama's boy. Now that was one thing. So they had nothing in common. They're completely different. But the other thing that really caused a lot of difficulties in their relationship and a lot of difficulties in their family was that their mom and daddy chose favorites. That's not a good thing. The Bible tells us that Isaac loved Esau. He loved that manly man's son that would go out and kill the deer and bring it home. He he loved him. Rebecca, on the other hand, she loved uh, Jacob. She loved the fact that he would stay in the in the kitchen with her and help her cook and all of that. Now, regardless of all that, at the end of the day, Esau was born first. Esau was the oldest son. And because of that, by virtue of the order of his birth and nothing else, he was entitled to what was known as the birthright. Now, we don't really have that concept here uh, in modern America anymore, uh, that the oldest son automatically inherits anything from their uh, father. Probably the closest I can think of in America is this idea that if a child is born in America, they automatically have the right to become what? A citizen. That's the right of their birth. Just the fact that they're born on our soil gives them the right to become a citizen. That's their birthright. That's about as close as I can come to in America. But in ancient times, 
the birthright was a really, really, really uh, big deal. It always went to the firstborn son. If you were the firstborn son, when your father died, you automatically became the head of the family. You inherited all the authority that your father had. You inherited all the responsibilities that your father had. Uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, it tells us that the firstborn son also got what was called a double portion, which means you got double the camels and double the goats and double the property and double the money that any of your brothers got. Just because you're born first. Not only that, before your father died, he would bring you in and he would give you a special blessing that he would not give to any of your other siblings. Now, here's the thing. In certain cases, the birthright could be overridden. If you had a son that was particularly sorry, or if you had a son that's particularly lazy, or you had a son that was particularly just just bad news, the father could make a decision and say, you know what, you might be the oldest, but you're not worthy. I'm going to give it to one of the other boys. But you see, that was never going to happen in this case. Because remember, Isaac loved Esau. He was never going to take that birthright away from him. Now, I want to hit the pause button right there for just a moment. I want to fast forward a few hundred years. A man named Moses is out in the desert one day, and he sees a bush on fire. Y'all have all heard the story, Moses and the burning bush, right? And, the, and it doesn't, the, the thing, the amazing thing wasn't that it was on fire. The amazing thing was that it didn't burn up. So Moses says, I got to go see what this thing's all about. So he goes over there and a voice comes out of the bush. And the first thing it says is, Moses, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. And the next thing it says is the, God introduces himself to Moses for the very first time. And this is the way God introduces himself. He says, I am the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob. You see, it wasn't supposed to be that way. He should have been saying, I'm the God of Abraham, and I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Esau, but he didn't. Something happened. You see, Esau was in line to inherit all of his father's authority and all of his father's responsibilities. He was the one that was in line to carry on the spiritual birthright that had been given to his grandfather and given to his dad, and it was now his. But here's Moses, and God is introducing himself, saying, I'm the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. Now the question is, what happened? Well, what happened is laid out for us in Genesis chapter 25, verses 29 to 34. Let's read it. It says, One day when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that stew, for I am exhausted. And Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Esau said, Man, I'm about to die. What use is a birthright to me? And Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and he sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. And then Moses, who by the way wrote the book of Genesis, Moses adds these five words of comment. Thus, 
Esau despised his birthright. Esau despised his birthright. Now here's what you and I need to understand. When Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of stew, he's not just selling his place and his position in this little family of four. He's not just giving up some extra camels or some extra goats or some extra property. That's not the problem. That's not his sin. His sin is that he had no appreciation for the spiritual birthright that had been given to his grandfather and to his dad and was to be passed down to him. He he didn't care. You see, Esau's problem is he only cared about the here and now. He only cared about the next hunt. He only cared about the next fishing trip. He only cared about the next meal. He only cared about what are we going to do this weekend. It was all about the here and the now. He had no reverence for spiritual things. He had no reverence for holy things, for eternal things. Many years later, the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament will look back and look back on that story, and he'll write this in Hebrews 12, 15 through 17. He says this, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Now I want you to see that he's talking about salvation. He's talking about eternity. See to it that nobody fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral. That no one is unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. The writer in the New Testament looks back at Esau and says he's unholy. You know, the word holy means set apart for God, right? He's the exact opposite of that. He doesn't care about God. He doesn't give, any, he doesn't give a flip about spiritual things. He just cares about the here and the now. That's all that matters to him. No reverence for eternal things. No reverence for his soul. No reverence for salvation. And by the way, later when he did change his mind, Later, when he come to realize, man, I have made a huge mistake. He was so sorry that he literally cried. And the Bible said he found no place to repent. In other words, he couldn't turn. He couldn't change because the damage had already been done. It was too late. Now, here's the question. What does this have to do with us? What does it have to do with you and I? If you're here this morning and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, let me be really clear here. You are a follower of Jesus Christ, not just a fan. I meet people every day, they're a fan of Jesus, but they're not a follower of Jesus. They're not a follower of Jesus. They don't obey His Word. But if you're here today and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then by definition, you have been born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. So if you are a true 
Christian, by definition, you have been born again. And by the way, by virtue of that birth, you now have a birthright. John chapter 1, verse 12, listen to this, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Romans 8, 17 says this, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. If you're a Christian here today, then you are a child of God. You can call God your Father. Let me just say this. I've been saying this on Wednesday nights, and if you've not been here, let me say it again. If you go out into the world, you'll hear this all the time. We are all children of God. No, we're not. No, we're not, folks. That is not biblical. It might be popular, but it's not biblical. It's only those who believe in Jesus. It's only those who receive Jesus that have the right to call Him Father. Not everybody can do that. But if you have that right, if you've been born again, you are a child of God. He is your Father. You are an heir with Christ. I I can't even wrap my mind around that. I have an inheritance reserved for me in heaven. And the writer of Hebrews is warning us, don't be an Esau. Don't be an Esau. Don't trade what is holy. Don't trade what is pure and good and spiritual and eternal. Don't trade it for temporary worldly pleasures. Don't be an Esau. Now listen, I know what the danger here is this morning because I think this way. I read that story about Esau and my first thought is, that guy's a moron. I mean, who, who could be that stupid? I mean, what, what kind of an idiot trades his, his inheritance for a bowl of stew? I'd never do that. I mean, just think about these two things, how unequal they are. You, you, you know, the spiritual promises of God, a bowl of stew. It's like me saying, hey man, I'll give you a marble for your family farm. And you're like, yeah, sounds great, let's, let's go for it. No, nobody's that dumb, right? No, nobody would make a, a trade like that. And so most of us, when we hear this story, and if somebody reaches out and says, don't be an Esau, most of you are thinking, well, I would never do that. I'm not that crazy. Yet listen to me, folks, if you just open the Bible, just read the Bible, you'll find that human beings make that trade over and over and over and over again. Go back to Adam and Eve, Garden of Eden. Here's two people that's got it all. They are blissfully happy. They've got everything you could ever want. They literally are living in heaven on earth. The Bible says that God would come down and walk with them in the garden in the cool of the day, and they trade it all for a piece of fruit. They trade all that for a piece of fruit. How about King David? King David is a shepherd, and God takes him out of the field and elevates him to the throne of Israel. He's a man after God's own heart. The people love him. 
The soldiers that fight with him respect him. He's got integrity. He, he is everything. Everybody looks to him. And he trades it all for one night in the arms of a woman. Trades all that. His, his, everything. One night in the arms of a woman. Or how about Judas? I mean, I, how do you explain Judas? He walks with Jesus for three years. He sees things that you and I can only dream of seeing. He sees Lazarus come out of a grave when Jesus calls him. He sees blind Bartimaeus have his eyes opened. He sees a man at the pool of Siloam who's been uh, probably paralyzed for 30 years get up and walk. He's in the boat and sees Jesus walk on water. And he trades all of that. He trades his eternal soul for 30 pieces of silver. It happens every day. If you just, just look around you, how many of us know someone who used to sit on these pews? How many of us know someone that at some point in the past had, had, had talked about being a Christian, about knowing God and loving God and all of this, and now they're nowhere to be found? We all know somebody like that. This sermon was born or germinated in my mind uh, a few weeks ago. I was uh, reading a, a Christian news site, and I came across uh, an article uh, on a man by the name of Jeremy Foster. Now, I had never heard of Jeremy Foster. I didn't knew, know who, anything about him. I didn't know who he was. It turned out that uh, he and his wife, Jennifer, had uh, started a church in Houston back in 2015. It's called Hope City Church. You can go and, and Google it and, and, and read all about it. They started in 2015. In four years, in two, by 2019, they had 12,000 attendees. Can you imagine? In four years, God is just blessing them. 12,000 people attending His services. He had over a quarter of a million followers on Instagram. He had another 125,000 followers on Facebook. And two years later, in 2021, he confessed to an affair. He resigned his church, divorced his wife, abandoned his five beautiful children, and married his mistress. He traded it all for a bowl of stew. Traded it all for a bowl of stew. Traded his integrity. Traded his testimony. Traded his flock that God had put under his care. Traded his marriage. Traded his children. And more than likely, traded his soul. For what? A bowl of stew. I'll give you another one. Joshua Harris. Some of you may recognize that name. He wrote a book in 1997 called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Anybody here back in the 90s ever read that book? It, it was a book about uh, biblical principles of dating and relationships. It kind of kick-started the, the purity movement back in the late 90s and the early 2000s. That book literally influenced millions upon millions of Christian teenagers 
Seven years later, in 2003, he became a lead pastor of Covenant Life Church in Gaithersburg, Maryland. And he stayed there for 12 years, I believe, until 2015. Some three years later, in 2018, he disavowed his book, said he didn't believe the principles in that book anymore, and he stopped publication. In 2019, he announced he was divorcing his wife and had given up his Christian faith. Folks, listen to me. I could sit here and go on and on and on and on. These are men who are pastors. These are men who have big churches and big followings and everybody's watching them and looking at them and they're falling left and right. They're falling left and right. And I guarantee you every one of them at some point in their life would say it had never happened to me. It'll never happen to me. I would never turn my back on Christ. I would never trade it all for a bowl of stew. Yet it's happening around us every single day. There are multitudes upon multitudes of people who are either refusing to follow Christ at all or giving up on their faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Sometimes it's just they've decided they don't like what the Bible says anymore. They used to follow Him, but, you know, this Bible's kind of outdated. We've moved on. We just don't agree with what it says anymore. Maybe it's because they want to be popular. Maybe they, those likes on Instagram or those followers on Facebook, they, they can't believe what they used to believe if they want everybody to pat them on the back. Maybe it's because they just, like Esau, love the temporary pleasures of life. Or maybe their heart has just grown cold. And maybe they just don't care anymore. Listen, I don't care what you're trading for Jesus. It is a fool's deal. It is foolish. It is moronic. It's idiotic. It's the dumbest thing you could do is to trade your eternal salvation. I don't care what you're trading it for. It's a bowl of stew. Now this morning, Christians, I want to speak to you directly. If you're here and you say, yes, Derek, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm not just a fan. I'm a follower. I believe that I have been born again. Now, I want you to, li- I want to listen to you. I want, I want you to listen to me. And I want you to listen very carefully. I do not believe for one second that a Christian can lose their salvation. I don't believe that for one second. Here's why. Because Jesus said that. John 6, 39, these are the words of Christ Himself. He said this, And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all that He has given me, but I will raise them up on the last day. I can give you a bunch of other scriptures, but let me tell you, the word of Jesus is enough for me. This is the will of God, that I lose nothing. That's all I need to know. Praise Jesus. I love that. I hold on to that. I do not believe that a Christian can lose their salvation. However, listen to me. The way that God guards us, the way that He protects us, the way that He keeps us and makes sure, as Jesus said, those that endure to the end will be saved. The way that He makes sure that we endure to the end is giving us words just like today. 
This is the way He does it. He puts you in a seat and He gets some guy to stand up there and say, don't be an Esau. These types of warnings are all over Scripture. Let me give you a few of those. Hebrews 3.12 says this, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. You see that? Take care, Christians. Take care, brothers and sisters. Take care, children of God. Watch yourself. Guard your heart so that you don't fall away. Listen to the words of Peter in 2 Peter 3.17. You therefore, beloved, you therefore loved of God, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. And of course, the words of Jesus Himself who said this, Matthew 24.12, and because lawlessness or sin will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. You see, the thing is, if you're a Christian and you hear these warnings, guess what you do? You listen. You, you, your, your ears perk up and you say, man, i gotta, I got to double down on Jesus. That's what I'm asking you to do this morning. Don't be an Esau. Double down on Jesus. Because let me tell you, it's just over the horizon. It is so close. He is so close don't give up now. You see, my, there's always in a crowd this size, there's going to be people who are thinking of quitting. There's always going to be people who are thinking, man, I, I just don't know about this anymore. It's just too hard. Why don't I just give in to the culture? Just give in to the sin? Just give in to all this? It would be so much easier. And, and I'm telling you, don't be an Esau. Don't trade the eternal, the holy, the permanent for a bowl of stew. Or there may be some of you here who are playing around with sin. You're just, you're just dabbling in it. You're just dabbling in it. I'm telling you, run. Get away from it. Pull back from it. Run into the name of Jesus, which is a strong tower. Go to Him. Get away from that. Don't play with sin. Don't play with sin. Don't be an Esau. If you're here today, and maybe you're not sure, as we often say, if you died today, are you 100% sure of where you're going to spend eternity? And you, you don't know. You, you like this Jesus guy. You're a fan of Him. But you know deep down, He's not the number one priority in your life. There's a lot of other things that come before Him. I'll let Jesus have the, the last word. Mark eight thirty six, very famous scripture. Jesus said this, For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What does it gain you if you're the most famous influencer in the world? What does it gain you if you're the greatest movie star in the world? What does it gain you if you're the richest person in the world and you die like every other human being on this planet has died, and you stand in judgment before Jesus Christ, and you forfeit your soul. Let me tell you, that is a moronic trade. That is a foolish trade. That is a bad deal. So I ask you this morning, those of you that are not committing to Jesus Christ, what are you trading your soul for? What are you trading it for? 
Are you trading it for, for, for likes on social media? Young people, are you, are you trading it for, for popularity in school? Businessman, are you trading it for a paycheck? What are you trading your soul for? Are you trading it for temporary pleasures? I want you to think for a moment of Esau, just real quickly, and I'll close here. Let's go back to that situation where he comes in. <laughs> what do you think is on his mind? What do you really think is on his mind? You know what I think is on his mind? I think he's thinking, you know what? It really doesn't matter what I do because my daddy loves me. My daddy loves me. My daddy loves me way more than him. Ain't no way he's there. I can say anything I want to say. I can do anything I want to do. At the end of the day, my daddy is giving me my birthright because my daddy loves me. Folks, listen to me. God loves you. He loved you so much that He sent His only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for your sins. And if you'll put your faith in Him, you can call Him Father. You can step into that birthright. But you listen to me. If you reject Jesus, if you reject the answer, there is no second chance. There, I don't care how much God loves you. He's not going to just say, let's just sweep all that. I didn't really mean all that. You see, God takes the birthright seriously. You know, I think about Jacob. If you go back and read about Jacob, we didn't spend a lot of time on it. He's not a nice guy. His name means deceiver. He's, he spends his whole life cheating people for the most part, deceiving people. He's not a good guy. But let me tell you, he valued the birthright. Above all things, he wasn't a good person, but he valued the birthright, and God honored that. Let me stand here today and tell you I'm not a good person. You don't know me. You don't know the things that I think and the things that are down inside of me. I'm I'm like Jacob. But let me tell you, I'm going to value the birthright. I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going, to, I'm going to fall and mess up every single day, but I'm going to get up and say, God, give me my birthright. I'm holding on to my birthright. And one day, one day, I want to hear Him say, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. And I'm the God of Derek. Let's pray. Father, Lord Jesus, I ask you somehow, some way, there's someone here today, God, that's been thinking about quitting. There, there's, there's someone here today that's been toying with sin, living on the fringes of the Christian life. God, then I pray that this day that you would just let them see what a foolish, foolish trade that is. That somehow this day they would recommit themselves to the birthright. And they would say, God, I'm pressing toward the birthright no matter what. I will not be pulled aside. And Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as I do, someone that doesn't know you as Father, then God, please do what you do. Open blind eyes. Open deaf ears. Pull the veil off that heart and let them see you. 
let them be like that man that uncovered the treasure in the field and went and sold everything they have for the sake of that one treasure because it was worth more than anything else in this world. God, I pray that we all see you like that treasure. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to this message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or if you need someone to pray with, please contact us at 850-926-1200 or email us at info at rolcrawfordville.com. We also want to encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Please visit us online at rolcrawfordville.com for more information and directions.